Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, we'll go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats, football history and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, we're live from the Wally for Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game. Since yes. its inception in 1869, cover 140 plus years. A football history of memorabilia. And you'll find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. At this time, I'd like to introduce my co-host. He is a senior contributing writer for Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, (laughs) welcome to the show this evening. A a very vibrant intro, Captain. You're on your game, sir. I don't know. I got a little uh, tickle in my throat here, so I got to get it out, and we got to talk about football. I got a couple of things before we get on script here. First of all, um, three massive auctions just ended uh, this yeah. past week, and um, I, I, to me, it was almost like an auction overload, trying to keep up with everything. And uh, there were some incredible, incredible pieces from Leyland's, good advertiser of Gridiron Greats Magazine. Uh, yep. We also saw uh, REA auctions. 
had some incredible pieces in it also, some uncut sheets. And uh, we also had a third auction uh, by Heritage. And I thought there were a lot of very, very interesting, historical, eclectic pieces in all those different auctions. And um, I, I know you had great interest in the uncut sheets, and I know you picked up a few. Can you tell our audience anything about anything you've uh, yeah. picked up as those sheets were concerned? Yeah, I've mentioned before, I'm a big uncut sheet uh, collector. And uh, uh, REA had a really, really nice swath of uncut sheets that they were offering up, probably over a dozen of them. And a lot of my duplicates of, uh, but I was able to pick up a 1961 Topps uncut sheet with five Hall of Famers in it, Hank Jordan, uh, you know, Bart Starr, and it's uh, a sheet I'd never seen and I didn't have. So it's always good to, you know, pick up a white whale, not, you know, not even a white whale I knew was out there. It's, you know, I'm, I, I know which ones I'm missing, but I just, I dig it. Uh, and then the second sheet that I was really, really happy to pick up, 1977 tops with a Steve Largent rookie card on it. So where where uh, one goes away, another one appears. I was, you know, and I picked it up at half the price of the other one that I lost. So, so wow. pr- pretty happy about that. <laughs> I saw that. I, you know, I, I figured right. I figured right away you were going to uh, pick that one up. So that's good, good pick up. The yeah. 61 sheet is beautiful though. That that's a really nice. Yeah. Card. Uh, it's truly uh, classic, and like you said, it got the five Hall of Famers on it. Really uh, a, a tremendous sheet, and amazing that that survived, uh, what, almost 50, 58 years later. Oh, man. It's still there. Yeah. It's amazing. And they're not making it anymore, Bob. That, that's what I absolutely love about this. You you know, you're no one's going to sell me a fake, uh, glued-together, uncut sheet. No one, <laughs> yeah, uh, you yeah. know, it's just. They're just, they're, you know, they're not making anymore. You know, uh, you're not trimming it. You're not, I mean, an uncut sheet is, is it. Uh, I, so I, I absolutely love it. It's the one thing in our hobby that uh, can't be tainted by these uh, card doctors and connivers. Uh, I, I dig it. True. You know, true, very true. We've had, we've had uh, scandals on autographs, on you know, on game used equipment that, uh, you know, has been cheated out, trimmed cards, recolored cards, uh, you know, wee wag, fake, you know, slab, yep. uh, you know, yep. just you name it. Uh, no yep. one's slipping by a fake uncut sheet on me. That's so. true. That's true. And that's a, that is the nice part about collecting those because you, you, you truly have unique in many cases, one, one of ones because, who knows where, where what's left and what's out there type of situation. And again, I, my, my biggest um, handling of any type of uncut sheets goes back many years ago, 30 plus years, where I picked up a bunch of uh, eight and 10 card strips of 1960 Flair football. And I ended up selling oh, yeah. the last of them a, f- a few nationals ago. They were, they were, they weren't in great shape. I mean, they had been used, and I'm yeah. sure they were printer scrap uh, more than anything else. Yeah. And uh, I always thought they were interesting to look at. I, I had saved a couple for my collection, and then I decided that um, I'm going nowhere fast with these, so I'm not going to not gonna collect it. I ended up uh, two fellows were interested yeah. in it. 
and they uh, they ended up buying them from me. But anyways, uh, I, I remember back in the late 80s, locally here, for whatever reason, there was a whole bunch of them. So I think somebody just picked up the scrap from wherever um, they came from, whatever fulfillment uh, or printer that they came from, which possibly could have been local here. I'm not sure. Uh, long story short, the printer scraps entered the market, and they were they were definitely bought and sold over the years, to say the least. Well, so, and uh, the, uh, RA, the RAA auction had the RAA auction had a full 1960 Fleer uncut sheet as well, and uh, mm-hmm. I I already have three copies of that, two in nice shape and one pretty beat up. Uh, mm-hmm. So that one, the price got up pretty high, and it's just one of those where I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a concerted effort to go after the 61 tops. And I'll let a you know a, you know a fourth copy of 1960 Fleer go. So right, right, um, right. It's 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 interesting. I'm also starting to notice in 61 Fleer because uh, I also picked up another copy of 1961 Fleer. You know uh, you know series two. You know which is a lot of the AML mm-hmm. players. Uh, right, I'm starting right. to notice they they uh, they must have made them in a roll because. Uh, I've got about four or five different sheets is what I've noticed where the positioning of the cards is different on each sheet. So, which, okay. which tells me, and you know, and you can see how they're patterned. So that, that tells me that they had it set up so that it just went in, you know, repeat this pattern. And since it's an odd number pattern, uh, you know, the sheets ended up different. It's kind of, it's kind of an interesting little note just in how they printed it, you know, versus every other right. sheet where it you know, just uh, set to a die. And that also explains but, too why why certain certain cards are in lesser condition because they were at the end of the sheets or on the corner of the sheets, whatever the yeah. case may be. And again, yeah. cutting back then was not like cutting like as it is today with laser cuts at all. Yeah, and also, you know, it was very, very easy to put together sixty one Fleer football you know, uh, second series, you know, the AFL players, very easy. Right. Uh, and, right. I, you know, you can, and, and I, I probably own a dozen of those uncut sheets in various, you know, conditions. I've never mm-hmm. seen a series one, the NFL player uncut sheet, and it is incredibly hard to put together series one, 61 clear. So, you know, just one more, you know, just all these little clues that start, you know, getting put together. It is, it's, it's fascinating. You got to, you know, just uh, you know, some of the things I love about our hobby. Yeah, and I, I gotta, you know. I gotta agree with you. Over the years, I've handled a lot more sixty-one Fleer AFL rather than NFL cards, and uh, and a couple yeah. lot with, uh, you know, I know a few guys still looking for for some of the uh, NFL players, and uh, they're just tough, to, oh, yeah. tough to come by. So they obviously yep. or possibly really overprinted the. Second series and really underprinted the first series for whatever reason. Yeah. And or yeah. Uh, the first series got damaged or whatever. I, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting uh, concept and theory. And I also go back to, I still say there were a lot less sixty-two Fleer uh, cards printed than sixty, sixty-one, and sixty-three, because sixty-two to me is just a, is just a bear to find. Even now, to this day, um, they're tough to find at a show or whatever. I don't see a lot of them anywhere. So I, I think 
uh, they, they printed a lot less probably because they had issues with what they did in 61. And then 63, because they were doing the baseball cards too, they probably realized that they could print more and sell more, so on and so forth. So, uh, that you know, that's another possibility there, although I could be wrong as far as uh, print runs or whatever, how many were out there, so on and so forth. So, interesting to see. Uh, real quick, also, did, did you see, and I, I don't remember now, were there any other open packs anywhere in uh, the auctions? I thought there was a couple. Uh, I, I believe REA had a 52 Bowman small penny pack. Uh, That's right. Okay. You know, PSA yeah. 8, which, which, yeah. you know, which I've seen about a dozen of them around. Uh, they're they're not as they're not as uncommon as you know the large nickel packs or anything like that. Right. 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 Yeah, the larger are much uh, less common than the small. The small, and again, that's another theory of mine. They they really printed a lot more small than large, because there's still not a lot of large in the market. There's a there's a ton of small cards everywhere. But again, going back years ago, you could find 52 small. You had a tough time finding any 52 large. So it's interesting. To, Bob, I don't to know, see the two. I don't know if you remember this, but the very first show we did, we did it on 52 Bowman. Where uh, where we talked about, you know, the uh, divisible by nine and nine minus, you know, right. minus one. Right. You know, so the 99, 98 card. We talked about, you know, 52 Bowman uh, large came out. And then, uh, you know, Bowman was, you know, was kind of taking a hit on cash. So they, they made, you know, they came out the small series as well, you know, later on. It's, it's, it was kind of fun. And every time I think of, you know, how little I know about, you know the you know the Bowmans in general, but especially Fifty Two. It's you know just I mean what nine years ago we did a show on it, and how much how much I've learned since then about it. Right, 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 exactly. And again, paralleling that, I, I have started and stopped that set so many times over the years. It's not even funny. And uh, you know I still got a big pile, of probably forty or fifty cards to the set. And I just can't get motivated to finish that set. And a lot of it has to do with card number 144, not wanting to pay a lot of, you know, not, at number one, my set is basically VGEX, and I really don't want to pay, you know, uh, a Caribbean vacation for card number 144 in lesser condition. You know what I'm Jim saying? Lansford. So uh, it's, uh, I have mixed feelings on that set, to say the least. But uh, that's yep, a bear to find in any condition. Very hard. Yep. Yeah, I used to have and it in a, uh, a PSA 8 small. Wow. The, uh, but then sold it. I, and I thought I thought card 144 in the small was tough to find. That, that took me a long time to find that one. I ended up uh, trading with Mike Rich on that one years ago. And I got a, you know, my my 52 smalls every which way condition wise from poor to near mint. And uh, he always said to me back then, just wait till you try the large, you know, the large version of this. I said, uh, I think uh, I oh, think oh. the small will small will suffice me quite well for now. And it has for 60 plus years, so pretty interesting. So, anyways, I wanted to touch base. Upon uh, about that before we got started, and just to let our audience know tonight, we don't have a guest, but our topic tonight is going to be a general discussion between Joe and I on football card rarities. 
And Joe and I talked about, briefly about this uh, this week on what we would look at. And Joe came up, and I agreed with a very, very strong set of five different uh, cards slash sets, which we believe are an exceptionally rare in the market. And uh, Joe, I know, has a few of these, and uh, I personally, I, I only have uh, cards from one of the sets. But I'll explain on a, a couple other sets uh, what I've seen and what I've had. So I'm going to lead off by talking about, and we're going to look at at first the uh, infamous 1894 Mayo and or Mayo <laughs> plug set of college stars, which hail from Yale, Harvard, and Princeton. And I got mine right in front of me, all SGC graded, the only set I own in any type of graded form. And I will say, quite frankly, the grades are every which way possible. Tens look like 40s, 20s look like 50s, yada, yada, yada. And they're all in the old, old. And some of them are A's, which are authentic. Some of them are 20s, some of them are 10s, some are 30s. But the one card that I really need, which I don't think will be happening anytime soon, is the last card in the set, which was first an anonymous card because nobody could figure out who it was. And then as the years passed on, it was discovered it was a Harvard player by the name of John Dunlop. Joe, thoughts, ideas, feedback on... The Mayos, henceforth known as the the anonymous Dunlop, is uh, the, you know the way. But what a great story! Uh, that entire set, and like you said, grades all over the place. I used to own a pretty high grade uh, set of that, and I'd look at you know a PSA seven, and I'm like, that's not a seven, you know. It, it's yeah, the inconsistency. I think SGC nails the grades better than PSA does, but even they, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, have a hard time. There's a very subtle difference between an SGC 20 and an SGC 30. Very subjective. So, you know, unless you're comparing them side by side. But either way, the uh, Mayo Dunlop, uh, as you said, which quick little quick little side tangent, Bob, because when, when you and I first started doing the show together, you introduced me as you know, Portland, Oregon. I mean, we we talked about the chickle, you know, the chickle set. You pronounced it chicle, <laughs> and I was, and we've we've had these, uh, you know, these East Coast West Coast, you know, come to come to an agreement on verbiage, you know, over the years that we've been friends. Uh, I uh, I'm I'm doing a submission to PSA, and uh, it's my, I I very rarely do submissions to PSA where I mail it in. Uh, most of the time I go to a national and submit there. Or I, you know, I, uh, you know, piggyback onto somebody else's submission. But uh, right. I'm right. sending in cards. One of them is a chickle card. So I hand it to my assistant to, uh, hey, can you mail these in? Uh, so she's looking up and, and she looks at one and, you know, and she's like, oh, you know, chicle, like the gum. And I'm like, and I just immediately started shaking my head and I thought of you, Bob. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the, well, I pronounce it the, another, I pronounce another it swickism. A swickism. <laughs> swickism, indeed. That's what they're Indeed, called, but, so. uh, 
Yeah, very rare indeed. The you know the Mayo you know the Mayo uh, Anonymous Dunlop, like you said, probably less than a dozen known to exist. He probably whittled that down to about ten uh, between SGC and PSA. The you know there's uh, there's a you know a couple PSA authentics in them that are you know trimmed up, uh, a couple SGC trimmed, but less than a dozen known. Uh, or you know people assume there's about a dozen, but it's probably less than ten known to exist. So very, very hard. Uh, obviously with the black borders, very condition sensitive. So I believe, uh, you know, the highest graded one is uh, an SGC 50. I think in the PSA side, it's a PSA 2. So very, very tough card. Uh, and not a lot of people collect mail. So a lot of people don't really consider the Dunlop to be on a, on that list because it's a college team. Uh, you know, it's not professional, so it, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's like the Beecher card. I don't really have any desire to collect the Beecher card. I don't really consider it a football card. There's a lot of people who feel the same about, you know, the, you know, the Mayo set. Uh, but you can right. definitely put that, right. uh, you know, anonymous Dunlop on one of the rarest cards uh, out there, football cards out there. A lot of people, you know, don't collect it, don't have any desire to collect it, but. It's uh, it's definitely on my top ten. Yeah, it's a it's a me. I I like the history of the Mayo set. I always have. I like the classic book of it, of really you know really eighteen hundreds rugby slash football type of uh-huh. uh, card. And um, you know, again, dating myself back in the eighties, I still distinctly remember. In SCD Sports Collectors Digest, and I forgot the dealer. I would have to look at my notes. Had a bunch of them all ungraded for the ridiculous sum of $25 each. And the grades were basically GBG. Uh, Obviously, nothing was graded, and there was no anonymous card either. So I called them up. Yes, I broke down and made a long-distance call at the time. And I said, do you have any left? And he says, I got two left. I said, okay, I'll take them. So he says, all right, I'll, I'll hold them for you. And I said, I'll, I'll mail you, um, you know, I said, I'll get you a money order. He said, no, 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 no. He said, just, just mail me a check. I'll, you know, I, I trust you on it. And he said, but I had I had so many calls on it. It wasn't even funny. Everybody, he said, I must have had a half a dozen calls. And I sold everything but the, but the two. And uh, my, uh, I'm looking at the one. I have one of the two left that I bought from him for $25. There's a big crease in the middle of it. It's the Bernard Thorne uh, Yale card, and part yep. of the two borders on the bottom are, are scraped off. Now, I got an S, uh, SGC 20 of it, of uh, the same card, which is it displays much more nicely than, than this card. But that's one card I'll always keep for the simple reason, A, I have a, I have a great story to tell about it, and B, it was back in the time where – you know, you collected the set ungraded, and you collected it in any kind of condition you could find, yeah. because you couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, it, it, it was simple. I never, I never saw one over the years, probably up until the early '90s, until I started seeing maybe one or two, and then you know, a bunch of them came to the market, got graded, yada yada yada. So you saw them everywhere, type of thing, and, and that's it. So and today, they are relatively common, but at the same time, I do agree with you, they're not collected. And a lot of a lot of collectors shun them for the simple reason that it's college. 
Um, you know, it's a, it's a rugby type of card, yada yada yada, and all that. So it's it's kind of interesting. But I still like I still like the set. It's still a classic set. And then that other quick Bob, story. I, I sent you an email. I, I sent you an email a while ago. I, Remember about ten years ago, we were going to bid on a bunch of them in an auction. Oh, yeah. and I told you which one. Which ones I, I needed, and I think you, you yeah. ended up, I, I, you ended up winning whatever, and I know I bought a few off of you um, from what you got out of that auction, so it was pretty interesting. But the prices were, if we had known it, you know, we could have <laughs> taken out a few second mortgages there and uh, picked up even uh, more. But uh, amazing. I'll, I'll admit, Bob. I thought the way that story was going to go where you uh, called the guy in the STD article was, I only got two left, and you're like, I'll take them. Uh, who are they? Well, one's Thorn, and the other one the other one is, boy, I can't find a name on this one. I don't know. I don't know who it is, actually. <laughs> uh, that's probably a misprint. But There's it, no name on it. I'll, ta- I'll take it anyway. Yeah. No big... But anyways, no anyways, 25 bucks no. each, I'll drop it in the mail to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, said, I, gotta, I really thought that's where that was going. <laughs> and, and it was inter- Yeah, I wish. And it was interesting too because um, I vaguely remember he was adamant about making sure I sent the postage to it, and I said, "Yeah, I said, just tell me how much you want for the postage. You know, I'll cut the. You know, I'll write the check out for you. You know, with the postage. Okay, okay. A lot of people forget about postage. And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Oh yeah, I, I won't. I know you got to mail them." <laughs> No, actually, yep. I'm, I'm going through. I'm going through what I had, and um, it was great. The other one was Gray from Harvard and, and uh, Thorn from Yale, so pretty interesting. So I had two my two type cards for years. Those was the only two males I had. Truly amazing, to say the least. Wow. Now we also have a also have on our list the second thing we uh, we want to talk about, and I know you're the expert on them. Is the 1926 <laughs> Spalding Champion? And give our audience a little background on those, on those cards. Well, first of all, let me correct everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm barely the expert on uh, on Steve Larger rookie cards, so uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I uh, I am standing on the shoulders of giants of uh, many many people who. Uh, have more knowledge in their pinky than I do, and I just I happen to be sitting at the table while they while they're talking about things. Uh, so a, a lot of what I know about these things comes from uh, you know you know the people that you know that we know. Uh, so uh, you know this 1926 Spalding, you know Champions Red Grange, uh, or you know, and it, it comes in a blank back. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with that 26 Spalding set. Love that set. There's uh, a good swath of football players in there. Uh, a lot of them very rare, but the rarest of the rare, most people don't even consider it part of the set, is the Red Grange. And uh, PSA labels it as a promotional. And the thought process is behind it, because of a letter that came up about 10 years ago, is uh, that they are, that Red Grange originally said he would be part of the set. And once he was in there, they, that uh, the Spalding company would send out a letter with a promotional card in there of Grange showing what the set would look like. And the name Grange, obviously, in 1926, would draw in other players. Uh, there's, a, there's a mention 
in, in one of these letters where it talks about enclosed, see the attached Grange card, you know, so you'll get, you know, ad living, of course, where you'll get an idea of what the set will look like. So there's a mention of a promo card. Somewhere in between, uh, you know, the promo cards, the promo letters and cards going out and the set actually running, the assumption is they couldn't come to terms on uh, what Grange was to be paid. And uh, there are other letters where Spalding Company is asking people to receive no fee. Simply the idea that kids would become, would get more interested in sports and that people's name, that these sports players' names would be out there to be bought by children and adults who idolize them, that was enough of their payment. So you can imagine that, that you know, hey, do this for the good of the sport didn't sit well with Cash and Kerry Pyle, Grange's manager, and Grange was pulled from the set. So really the only cards really the only cards of Grange that exist from this set are the ones that would have been saved that were sent with promotional letters. And I've got a copy of this card that I absolutely love that is very uh miscut and it's oversized. So you can kind of tell that it came from a larger, you know, perhaps a, 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 a printer's run where they ran some and just cut it out, uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's you know, rhombus-shaped. It's, you know, it's, it's got quite a bit of room on it. And what I love about that mm-hmm. is it's pretty obvious it didn't, it didn't come from the normal means. Uh, so I, I really like that, too. Just looking at the card, it kind of tells a story. Well, it's, it's a truly amazing piece, to say the least. And back it up a bit on uh, that documentation. And I, if, my, if memory serves me correctly, uh, longtime football card collector and gridiron greats writer Carl Lamondola, I think had that um, original piece of the documentation. And I'm pretty sure he sent it to the grading companies to say what you know what it actually was, so they could clarify it at the same time too. So it's an incredible piece of history all around. Finding these yeah. and, and, and it's just it just amazes me. How many do you actually think are in existence, Joe? Of of that stuff. Somebody just somebody just mentioned what what was the number, Bob? Somebody just mentioned like five or six they think are in existence. I, I don't know. Well, I, I, uh, I, yeah, I was gonna say it's probably like a half a dozen at the most. I don't think there's there's I, many I, more than those. I, I always assumed there were about seven or eight. I guess I'd never really thought about it. Uh, um, but, but I know of, uh, well, I guess uh, Jeff's got one. I, I, I know of four. So, I mean, if there's five, wow. Wait, I guess we're going to have to figure this out. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a good topic for another time. Uh, you know, hey, if, if you have a uh, 26 Balding Grange promo, please uh, email the captain. And uh, let's talk about this. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious how, how many there are. That's almost a good topic. But uh, and what and was I'm, it about ten look, years ago? I'm looking. I'm looking up real. I'm looking up real quick for some uh, from some notes from Jeff Payne and population for the Grange. I think was only four graded and only five of the uh, Friedman card. So oh, wow. obviously, wow, that's incredible incredible situation to try to uh, in any way, shape, or form make that set together. 
put that set together, and yeah. the cost of it is going to be going to be incredible because those are definitely rare of rare, to say the least. Well, so uh, about ten, interesting. Ten years ago, an uncut sheet of the twenty-six, you know, uh, Spalding right. came up in right. an auction, and at the time, I was collecting the set and I was collecting uncut sheets. Uh, this particular auction house listed the set you know, listed the sheet as like baseball or something like that and not football. Obviously I, uh, I don't collect, you know, uh, that other sport. So I didn't peruse mm-hmm. through and see it. And when I found out somebody bought it and then they proceeded to slice it up and get it graded as authentic blank back, uh, I, it, it broke my heart. You know, mm-hmm. one, that's a piece of, that's a piece of history. Uh, but, First of all, it, it upsets me when uh, when auction houses don't cross, you know, categorize things. You know what I mean? So, you oh, know, yeah, something, something that I definitely would bid on. Something as historical as that. Why uh-huh. and how would you list it like that for? I mean, it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Do your homework. You, you, got, you got one of the most rare sheets in yep. card history. And yep. you list it as a baseball sheet. Well, it's, it's it's you know one of the one of the most important pieces of football card history. It, it uh, also, and then whoever whoever gets the sheet that picks it up on top of it, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, Nothing. Unless no auction sense. house software only allows you to categorize something in one category and not cross categories. Uh, yeah, I was just I, I was disappointed because I I would have bid on it. And it would be, you know, framed, hanging in my office now, uh, memorialized yep. in history. Uh, but on that uncut sheet, going back to the Grange set, on that uncut sheet, there's 126 cards, and there was no Grange on the sheet. So uh, just kind of reaffirming that, you know, Grange didn't make the final cut. Even uh, even that right. set was blank back. And also the promo wasn't cut from a, uh, you know, from a printer sheet and then sent out. So. Right, right. That's a, it's a, it's amazing. It's just an amazing card, a rare, rare card. And again, anything from that yeah. from that set is just it's just so rare to me. It's just amazing, you know. And again, a, a lot of sets I know that I'll never complete. I always try to look for a type card on them, but that's uh, one set I know I'll, I'll uh, it, unless I I find it somehow at a you know a tag sale, the infamous cheese box. Oh yeah, give me five bucks for this box. Uh, there's a lot of cards with no names on them and stuff like that. A lot of blank backs. Oh yeah, okay, no problem. But anyways, it's uh, amazing to see. Now the the third set is um, the 1925 rare, Star Player Candy. Yeah, another another really rare. Set. And I and I like that uh, the uh, I always like the Star Player Candy set. I thought it was always an interesting yeah. set. It was always very very um, unique to say the least. Give us some background on that set, Joe. Oh, just a beautiful set. Just the the action pictures uh, in it. I absolutely love it. And uh, this is another set that everything I know from it I've learned from other people. Uh, the population was, you know, low at one point, and then there was a, a horde of cards with like a dozen new 
players that was discovered about you know eight nine years ago by a by a collector. So this is a checklist that you know will always have an asterisk next to it as you know we're pretty sure this is it. Uh, but who knows? But the the SBC set just a, a, a beautiful set. I, I just I love the black and whites, the white borders, the you know the team name printed you know below blank back. Uh, but the Star Player Candy set uh, has a Red Grange card in it. And uh, you can see where we're leaning with a lot of this. There's some Red Grange, you know, leanings in, in some of these. Uh, but uh, one of the rarest cards, and uh, underneath this Red Grange, and it's of him kicking, it's a pretty common action photo of Grange, is uh, just the, the team he's on at the time, Illinois. And since it's 1925 in Grange, Grange left, you know, Illinois in November. Uh, of 25, you can you can assume that you know this was made several months prior. You know the you know pretty short season. So again, very rare. Uh, probably I think the population is uh, of that card is two or three. <laughs> In it, it, and uh, yeah, that's it's, a, it's just it, it's again rare, rare. I mean, it's 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 just truly amazing. How how those how few actually survive, but we can still see that they're you know they're out there one way or the other. So it's a, it's amazing, truly amazing. Now is that the one you yep. showed me? That's the one you that's the one you own. I, I forgot. I own uh, I own two of the Star Player K's. I used to have about oh, half right. a dozen. I traded several to uh, Jeff Payne in a classic oh, school yeah. bus. Yeah. Bring bring your cards in your lunch pail and let's trade uh, transaction. I just I loved it. Uh, you know, cool. uh, Jeff gave me some some uh, cards that we will uh, be talking about here in a moment, and I gave him quite a few uh, star player candies. But again, another one of those regional sets that didn't quite make it out of the Midwest. That that just uh, you know, as Carl says a lot, got you know sucked up by paper drives. They're very thin, so they're condition sensitive. Uh, you know, you, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, man, just rare. And I, I just, I dig some of these very rare, you know, esoteric sets that are, aren't very well known outside of our hobby. And, uh, this is definitely right. one of them. Right. There's, you know, the, the SBC has baseball players. It's got others, but you know, uh, yeah, this Grange card is rare, 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 rare. And you know the other the other interesting part of to me pre World War II cards, a lot of times they get lumped in at paper shows with other, uh, let's say, non-standard type size postcards, and as such, you know, a dealer who may not be well versed may may put whatever type of card. It doesn't have to be you know, the star player or the Spalding or whatever, or the Mayos, but, you know, they put another small card in there, not knowing what they are, and just saying, you know, this is, this is some sort of photo card type of thing, and that's it. And again, you know, the, to me, it's, uh, you know, a treasure find. If you, if you go through a, a box of, let's say, postcards of older older postcards, and you see a lot of players, you you have no clue who they are, and, you know, it could be a high school player or a college player unknown so on and so forth but then you could also find the gem in between not saying that it's likely it's going to happen but it's very possible at the same time 
But uh, again, yeah. I think there's a lot, a lot of miss. Um, I don't know a good way to describe it, just a, like a, a misdescription of what what the card actually is by a non, uh, you know, collector and or you know, dealer type of situation. So that's very prevalent, and I think we can see these in a lot of cases uh, over the years. But the star star player, I always I always like looking at those. That card, uh, those cards. Again, exceptionally rare, and again, um, probably I forgot when the last time I saw one, and it had to been at the national. I mean, I I really don't see them, you know, at a, at any small shows whatsoever, to say the least. Any of these, with the exception of the Mayo's, because for whatever reason, I still see Mayo's around here in, in Connecticut and Massachusetts shows. They still seem to be uh, you can still find them, find one or two every once in a while. But very interesting on, on the star player uh, candy. The the next one now that uh, we're going to talk about is a Roger Pete card, and that's from 1929. And again, give our yep. some background on that show. <laughs> Rogers Pete was, again, a uh, local company. Uh, 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 I think it was a, a, like a farm, co- uh, farm uh, store. And uh, right. they had a promotional where they would give you cards. You glued them to a booklet. You turned in the booklet, and you got, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, prize. Uh, so a lot of the Rogers P cards you see have glue residue on the back from being taken out of the right. book. Uh, right. But there are four cards in the Ro- in the football Rogers Pete set. Uh, the two most popular of it are Red Grange, uh, Rogers Pete, and Ken Strong. So 1926 Roger, er, uh, excuse me, 1929 Rogers Pete, Ken Strong predates his rookie card by his 1935 Chickle by a good six years. Uh, right, right, but right. Very rare, uh, you know, kind of in the same vein as the star player candy, very thin paper stock, condition sensitive, uh, and, uh, and most of the ones you see are PSA too, just because, and they're beautiful. They're centered, black and white, wide borders, but they've got a, a glue dot on the back where they were inserted into albums. Mm-hmm. Now, so, how many of those do you, are do you think are in existence? Oh my gosh! Uh, then Rogers Pete. Well, I would guess three to four tops. Red Grange. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many okay. of the Ken Strong cards there are, but uh, three to four tops. These are these are cards that when they when they come around, you you grab them, you know. Now, have you ever seen the um, the actual scrapbook that they were glued in, and have you seen any uh, scrapbooks with the cards in them? I haven't. Uh, I, I have yeah. not. You know what's what's interesting? You think a lot of these books. Like uh, the 48 Bowman came in a, you know, you could buy it in a book if you right. had a mail order. I've, uh, I've, right. I've got one. My, my, uh, my 48 Bowman set is in the book, uh, and, and I love mm-hmm. it that way. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, also going back to your Walker Packer cleaner, you know, those ones right. were, you know, right. were part of, a, part of a booklet. You collected them and you put them into the booklet. Uh, only a couple of the books have been seen outside of the loose, you know, Walker Packer cleaner. Uh, the Rogers right. Pete, I have not. 
uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you knew you got them, and I think they were handed out weekly, and you glued them into, a, you, you know, you, you somehow put them in a booklet, and you redeemed it. Um, and, you know, you know it, was, it was very, very common, um, even through the 60s, scrapbooks in a true sense. You would cut articles from a paper, magazines, cards, so on and so yeah. forth. I mean, I still remember. I still remember to this day. I used to cut up the sports pages of the newspaper, and I would cut the photos, and I would I would um, glue them into a, a scrapbook. And my father uh, was very very big in scrapbooks. He had a lot of different scrapbooks. I still have several of his old ones, where he would take uh, you know the, the daily column from uh, the newspaper on science or whatever it was. And he would paste it in the uh, paste it in a scrapbook, and that's what he did every day. And uh, again, that's to me very historical. And I can I can only imagine seeing a full Rogers Pete uh, booklet with the cards booklet, in it yeah. intact. I mean, an incredible historical piece. Uh, if it's that out would there, be very and again, cool. I, again, we got to reiterate because of the paper drives for World War Two. I can only imagine how many of those went went uh, went away and were you know long gone. Yep. So it's it's truly amazing well, to me. Anything that survived pre World War Two, uh, to me it's just yeah. it's just, it's shocking to me. Well, you you just you think about how few cards there are of this, and it is just totally, you know, indicative of just how how rare. I mean, I mean when. When you when you think about the Honus Wagner card, you know, in baseball, the T two hundred six Honus Wagner card, one of the most recognizable cards in the hobby. Uh, not not only in the hobby, just anywhere. Uh, and uh, and it, you know, its population, you know, is between fifty and a hundred. Uh, so when you think about rarity, Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, uh, you know, nice set. I mean, these are these are local, or these are uh, you know, definitely local sets. So they're not mainstream sets that are nationally distributed. Right, That's the only, right, right. the only ding they the only ding they have against them. But you know, these are uh, uh, you know, these touch a lot of touch a lot of bases when it comes to you know, just you know, you know that 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 absolute rarity. Uh, Hall of Famer, you know, you know. You know, rare set. I don't know. It's just uh, there, and there's there's well, always all, this it has all the it has all the components possible for scarcity, rarity, historical value, so on and so forth. I mean, what's not to like about it? I mean, seriously, it's it's just a, it's it's an amazing piece of anyone's collection if you own one. So that's the way I look at it. I mean, it's just it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. And again, how many survive? You know, you're looking. You're basically looking at three or four or five, six, possibly a few more in other people's collections who don't want to advertise them. Yep. And uh, yep. it's, you know, it's a, it's just it's fascinating. And then the yeah. the last. And then, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you know, and you you know, you just take, you know, you take, you know, fifty to a hundred of, you know, of you know of, uh, you, you know, of those that you know. How many how many Nagurskis are there? You just you start you know the, how many Dunlop? I mean you just you start taking some of these very rare cards. I mean you were talking earlier about 
how hard it is to get a you know the card 144 and the 52 Bowman set them you know right, right. The, you know the Jim right. Lansford I mean and you know that's a very rare hard card to get and and high sensitivity I mean it's a you know it, it's a ten thousand dollar card and a PSA eight and large uh, you know it, you know it's not even a Hall of Famer so right you know it, right. It, exactly. uh, I don't know it's you you know these are uber rare. Uh, you know, I, I told my wife once, you know, when we, I was working on the Hall of Fame rookie card set that I was, you know, looking for a Bronco Nagurski. And for Christmas, she was like, well, I'm going to go buy Joe a Bronco Nagurski. She came back about a month before Christmas. She's like, that card is impossible to find. And I'm like, right. oh, you were going to buy one? I'm like, That's awesome. Thank you. That, it is literally impossible to find. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. So. You know, this one, if you said, I want to go buy a Spalding, you know, you know, whatever card, you know, we've been talking about today, it would be difficult to find it. Uh, just impossible, oh, yeah. impossible yeah. to find. Yeah, I agree. I truly agree. And then the last one we're going to talk about is um, yep. a postcard of uh, postcard set from the yep. Pottsville Maroons from 1926. Yes, and uh, and again, everything I know about this set, I learned from somebody else, uh, and uh, <laughs> and I will never forget being on the phone with Andy Becker at BST and him saying, "Hey, I got a handful of these in. Uh, you should buy a few." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, all right. Well, I've never heard of this set." He's like, "Dude." I've been doing this a long time. This, you gotta, you gotta pounce on these. Like, all right, well, send me, send me four or five. Uh, yeah, I'll buy four or five. And uh, I bought them. I got them. And a week later, I called him, and I said, I'll take the rest. And he's like, Well, they're gone. But they're gone now, Joe. <laughs> so it's these, uh, these, these go quick. Uh, you know, they're a regional set. This is their championship year. They, you know, their disputed championship year. It's, uh, I mean, you know, a, a couple of a couple of people in here should be Hall of Famers. You know, Latone and, you know, Barry, obviously. And they very, oh, man, just very, very rare. And if you're trying to put together a complete set of this, you're going to be waiting a long time. Uh, just, you know, just, yeah, incredibly rare. And, and they're good-looking postcards. Uh on the flip side, you know, there are RPPCs. And on the flip side, they've, you know, some of them have the, uh, the Zacco stamp. Uh, some of them are blank packs. So, yeah, it's pretty, they're, they're pretty cool, pretty rare. They're amazing to me as far as looking at the, um, again, the, the classic postcard uh, uh, portrait of the player. And yeah. uh, just the feel of the 1920s, looking at those and the historical value are just it's just amazing, truly amazing. So it's it's again a rare set. And, and like I said, if you go to a paper show, you know, you as a collector or anyone should spend some time looking at the you know player you know any type of sports postcards. I know I definitely go to a lot of paper shows in in trying to find you know, some sort of obscure or interesting or rare, obviously, postcard of a, of a player, whatever the case may be, team, stadium, whatever whatever it may be. 
And uh, they're out there. You just gotta you gotta really look and you gotta try to find them. And uh, but uh, obviously this set is going to be uh, exceptionally difficult to find anywhere, uh, no matter what it is. So uh, it, it's uh, beautiful, beautiful set. I I always yeah, like looking at it and and seeing less, it. So than, uh, you know, obviously there's people who know a lot more about this than me, but you know you know, anywhere between five and 10 of each postcard, but probably less. I mean, since so many of these are kept, uh, kept raw, but, uh, I sent, uh, at the, at the Cleveland national a couple of years ago, I submitted a few to PSA to get graded. Cause, uh, I like my old stuff like that to be encapsulated just to protect it. You know, I, I'm not worried about the grade. I just, I want it to be protected. And, uh, they didn't know what it was. And even when I submitted it, I was like 1926 Pottsville Maroon Postcard, and they kicked it out. Uh, they're like, you know, no, no history, no grade. Uh, so SGC seems to be the only company that grades these, is my understanding. So um, yeah, so yeah I've, I've got about I've got about six of these. None of the Hall of Famers, but you know, I got about six of these, and I, I love them. They're just they're beautiful cards, uh, historical team, just that that. That snapshot in the NFL, you know, you know, uh, you know, controversial, controversial championship. Well, shouldn't be any controversy, but it is. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. Well, in looking at what we talked about tonight, obviously we, we get we, you know incredible eye candy, historical pieces yeah. of, of football cards, uh, to say the least. Cards that some of our listeners probably don't, have never heard of before and or cards that are on a lot of people's want lists knowing full well that they may never achieve even finding a, you know, one card alone the set of it type of situation. So in summary, in trying to look at this, and we talked a bit about this on the show several years ago in Gridiron Grace Magazine, and I came out and I said basically I thought the Dunlop card is the – you know, white whale of of football is basically the 50s, the hottest Wagner football, so on and so forth. I took a bunch of heat from other, few other people on it, basically saying that um, you look at the star player, you look at Rogers Pete, you look at the Spalding, especially the Spalding cards. Yeah. They're a lot more rare than the Dunlop cards. And for the sake of the argument, I, I don't deny that in any way, shape, or form. However, they're so narrowly narrowly collected and so narrowly yes. known, a lot of collectors are just saying to themselves, hey, I, there's no possible way I'm ever going to collect one of these, so I'm not going to even attempt to try it. You know what I mean? So I'll throw it out to you again. What do you think our Hannes Wagner is in football? <laughs> No, and, and you you nailed it, Bob. Some of these are so thinly collected. You know, going back to the Mayo, you know the you know the, the you know the Dunlop anonymous. I mean, there's people who just don't collect that set. You know, if if that's a you know if you go forward a, a few years and you know and that's a you know and you know and that's a, a you know a Canton bulldog. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to come up with an analogy. I mean, if that's yeah, yeah, a Carlisle yeah, yeah. Indian. Yeah. You know, if that's a 1912 Carlisle Indian set, uh, it's, you know, it, it's undisputably NFL. I, I don't know. It's uh, what is the Honus Wagner? So, I mean, 
the we we've discussed this before. The parameters are modern day set, uh, Hall of Famer, so he's known. You know they're they're known. Uh, you know, uh, you know national set. It's so. I mean, I you know, I think I don't know. You 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 know you've got a Namath and you've got a Nagurski. I think. Mm-hmm. I I think it's Nagurski because there's a lot of people outside the sport who don't know who Honus Wagner is. So there's right, the namesake right, recognition right. aspect of it. Everybody knows who right. Joe Namath is, even outside right. the sport, just like everybody knows who Babe Ruth is. So there's some sort of Babe Ruth card that's the Honus Wagner of, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. You, you almost, I mean, and opinions will vary. I mean, you, before the show, you and I were like, what, what, you know, who's the Mount Rushmore? Uh, you know, you have to whittle it down to a couple. It's just, it's got to be recognizable outside the hobby. It's got to be a name. It's, uh, you know, if you flash a Nagurski card, I don't know, you know, it's, you know, the, you know, the, the 52 tops Mickey Mantle comes to mind. I mean, if you, if you, Flash that, how many people recognize it? How many people know what it is? And right. just some cards that are, I don't know. It's it's such an interesting topic, isn't it? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you to a certain degree about the Nagurski because it, it is, you know, an exceptional card to say the least. And at the same time, I I still say to a, to a certain degree, we can't clearly define our Hannes Wagner. I really believe that. I, I think we, we we're just not able to do that. And um, you know, I I've taken heat for saying that, but I really believe that because again, we have a lot of different collectors coll- not doing the entire run of football cards. Let's say from 1935 to 2019. We also don't have a lot of collectors just specializing in pre-World War II items. We also don't have a lot of collectors that are that overly versed as far as the history of the sport and the history of the game, so on and so forth. But at the same time, as more and more knowledge goes to the to the hobby and to the market, then collectors start getting interested in what? The Mayos, the Roger Feets, the Star Candy, yeah. player postcards, so on and so forth. So it's tough. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but that's that's the reality of the situation that we have right now, as far as trying to understand, you know, if we actually have a white, you know, a a uh, Hannes Wagner white whale type of card. Hey, well, any collector would love to own what we talked about tonight. I mean, seriously. I mean, there's there's no other yeah. way around it. But again, the reality of it is. Would they have a better shot at collecting the 35 Chickle complete? Yeah. Would they have a better shot at collecting the 1894 Mayo complete? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's I don't know, it's a give and take. And, 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 and again, it's, it's to, to each collector's desire what they want to collect and how they want to collect it, so on and so forth. But I think it's well worth, the, yeah. you know, well worth talking about and, and, and discussing, to say the least. All right, we're almost out well, of time. We're going to... Real quick, two-minute warning. Wrap up. Quick thoughts, Joe. You gave a lot of them. You 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 really are <laughs> exceptionally knowledgeable in these five areas. Uh, any final thoughts? Well, I appreciate the nod from the ambassador of football, Bob Swick himself. Uh, I'm uh, 
yeah, I'm sure there's a couple of people. I threw out a couple of things today that somebody somebody listening to the show went kind of winced and went, oh, Joe's a little off on that. But so, uh, if, you know, if there's any complaints or if I'm missing anything, please email Bob directly <laughs> and he'll pass it on to me. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, 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 I love the hobby. There are people who immerse themselves a lot more than I do, but I, I've got a lot of passion for the hobby and I, I love I love where my collection is going lately, just leaning towards more rare esoteric things than mainstream. So, I hear you. I hear you. All right, we're, we're almost out of time. Thanks for listening, and check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com, if you're not a subscriber, and we'll be back at another show with the week. Yeah. Take care. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.